Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Sword Explained. Sword Explained. I'm Leah Nielsen. And I'm Kellen Doherty. And uh, we're going to get some splaining done today. Gonna get real up in this information I have to present to you, Leah. I hope deep, you're excited. Deep in that info. This is the most exciting thing I'm doing today. So, and probably out of the week. Maybe. Ooh, we're at the highlight of the week. Good. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's Friday, so I'm feeling, feeling alive. So I'm ready for this. Good. Okay. So here right. we go. go. Um, so I know last week we did a heavy handed one about passion fatigue, a lot of emotions, a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. So this week, um, I wanted to talk about my second favorite movie of all time. So okay. a okay. different diversion. Um, so all my right. favorite, I can't just say it's my second favorite movie because then you're going to be like, what's your favorite movie? And my favorite movie is Jurassic Park 2, The, Last, the Lost World. So Good, great choice. Just, just great keep choice. that information in the back of your head if you ever want to know what my favorite movie is. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have time to defend why I think it's better than the original because I already have enough people yelling at me about why would you like a sequel more than the original. But <laughs> anyway, I wanted to talk about a movie that I watched for the first time when I was 16. Um, and I now watch it almost like every Valentine's Day when I'm single. Uh -huh. Um, so that would be, bum ba -da -dum, Fight Club. Super Fight romantic Club! Movie. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It's my second favorite movie of all time because it's great. <laughs> um, and I wanted to talk about it, not just like because I like it, but I think there's a lot that you know, has impact in it, and, you know, there's some good, there's some bad, and it's a movie that came out, like, 20 years ago, and people still talk about it all the time, True. so I wanted to talk about the lasting effects about Fight Club, and all the cool stuff that came about from it, and okay, all right, this is new, this is new, yeah, so this is a different branch, think of our tree, we had the one branch down yonder and, you know, the hard-hitting research. And this fun little branch is just jutting out at the top. So yeah, you can decide what kind of a tree we are. I'll let you do that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Fight Club, right? So this movie came yeah. out in 1999. Um, and it was... Wow, really? Yep. I'm already surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it came out longer ago? 2005? Or? I don't know why. I thought it was, like, yeah. more recent. I don't know. Mid-2000s? Yeah. yeah. No, it came out in 99 when, like, all, like, a lot of really good movies came out in 1999. Um, and I remember, like, back when I was, like, a teenager, I was like, why are all these movies, like, why did they all come out in 1999? And I read something that was, like, because everyone thought the world was going to end in 2000, so they all Y2K. made their movies then. And I was like, I don't know if that was true, but <laughs> I liked the sentiment of it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, maybe our computers and our video equipment won't work anymore. So yeah. anyway, so it came out then. So anyway, it was directed by David Fincher, um, who has directed a lot of great films. Um, Seven, Zodiac, oh, Seven. The Social Network. Gone Girl, House of Cards, 
Um, Mind Hunter, the TV oh. show on Netflix. Wow, so recent, recent stuff. Yeah, so he's he's done a lot, um, and he all kind of, like all of his stuff has a very similar like gritty aesthetic to it. I think. Um, you know, like mm. certain lighting, I feel like too, like it's all kind of like dingy. <laughs> I yeah, think. So, it all looks dark. <laughs> yeah, and it's always about pretty dark stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, it, um, stars great cast we got going on. Um, Edward Norton. I had to put in um, parentheses my fave. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you have you have the hots for him. Yeah, I think he's the best leading man in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Young, old, he's aged well, he's gone gray. Ooh, um, that salt and pepper great. look. Yeah, a very, very good looking fella. Um, Brad Pitt. Um, also, the staple, the staple of good looking men. Yeah, he's, he's like the mainstream hottie in this one, so, yeah. you know. And um, I gotta say, like, I'm not normally into Brad Pitt, not really my type, but in this movie, you know, yeah. it's, good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I don't think anyone cannot be into Brad Pitt, at least in this movie. I, yeah, straight men, too, yeah. I think. Yeah, just all walks of life, you're gonna find this You're gonna man. like him, you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Helena Bonham Carter, she's also in this, so yeah. those are like the three, the big trio um, in this film. And basically, I, I guess I should preface this by, like, saying, like, spoiler alert, um, but I think... Oh, yeah, we should probably say that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, like, dumb, though, because, like, this movie came out, like, 20, almost 21 years ago, so, like, yeah. if you haven't seen it by then, get your act together. Also, yeah. I feel like it's probably already been spoiled for you, because well, that's people like, talk about this movie all the time. <laughs> did I tell you, in, in college, I was talking to you one of our friends about Star Wars and I was like yeah like something saying something about how how um like Darth Vader is Luke's father and they were like mm -hmm. what <laughs> and I like spoiled that for them and this was like I don't know like six oh. years ago like it's been a while <laughs> and I like kind of felt bad but it was also like yeah kind of deserve that one yeah you can't like even if you're in your like early 20s like how have you not heard someone anyone say that? just say that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> wild next we'll probably spoil the sixth sense for everyone because i think oh, no. that's another one that people are like what <laughs> how could it be <laughs> so yeah so this one has a spoiler alert on it but yeah whatever you should have already seen this movie by now and you Probably have already. So anyway, yeah. anyway, so Fight Club. It's based off of a book by Chuck Palahniuk. I think mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's how you say his last name, right? It's always spelled weird. Seems right. Sure. So yeah, so he's written a lot of books. Um, I read a couple in high school and college. So it's been a while, but all of you wrote his... um, Choke, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have not read that one, but it's very good. Yeah, he's got some good ones. He has a very, have you, well, yeah, you read that one. So, because all of his books have this, like, very distinct style <laughs> of, like, mm -hmm. writing. And then it's always kind of dealing with, like, marginalized people in some way. Like, somehow they're cast out of society, you know, for yeah. a lot of different reasons. So, yeah, he's a, he's a really good author, though. So he wrote Fight Club, and then they adapted it from there. So Fight Club. Just to let 
you know, was not much of a critical success when it came out. I listened to Brad Pitt talking. He was on WTF with Mark Maron. He got Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio together when they were shooting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, very impressed with Mark Maron. I was like, I know he's a big celeb, but I didn't know you were that big. He's getting the yeah, he's getting the hard hitters. Yeah, <laughs> and like the Brad high rollers. Pitt is like a huge fan of his podcast. And I was ah! like, what a world to be living where Brad Pitt is a fan of you. That would be, <laughs> I can't wait till Brad Pitt is a fan of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, my ego is going to explode. <laughs> I would never feel self-conscious again. Yeah, I would like jump off a building because I think I'm invincible. <laughs> like I can fly because Brad Pitt likes me. <laughs> so yeah so they he was on that podcast and then he was also in this other video that I was watching where they're talking about Fight Club and he talks about how they were at the Venice Film Festival and him and Ed Norton were like sitting watching the film being premiered and like everyone was like over 60 (laughs) and everyone hated it (laughs) they were all like pretty like uppity like you know film critics yeah. And they were just like, oh, God, what is this movie? Um, so it was not a great critical success, um, but it became a cult classic. So years later, you know, when it was out on DVD and just like, you know, just people really started to really, really like it. Um, and now it kind of has this cult status. Yeah. Um, so just a little refresher on the plot of Fight Club, because I think we definitely have to talk about that first, okay. um, is we have our main character who is played by, and again, I put this in there, a very handsome Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> He's very young. <laughs> um, and he is just called the narrator. And he no has name, this, right? Yeah, no name, just the narrator. He has like this really boring white collar job as a vehicle recall specialist. Um, and he's completely unfulfilled by his job. He suffers from pretty severe insomnia. Um, and he spends like all his nights, you know, up on his couch buying stuff from Ikea. And this was in 1999. So he's not online. He's like on the phone with like, you know, Ikea being like, I would like to order your blah, blah, blah. Which, like, that's not I think we do honestly, anymore. my lifetime like, post-dates catalog order- ordering. Like, I don't remember doing that ever. <laughs> yeah. I definitely did not. I remember my mom doing it for me. Oh, okay. Like, when you would get, like, um, limited to magazine, <laughs> or even just, like, uh, like JCPenney, and I'd be like, Mom, I want these shoes, and it'd be, like, Christmas, and she'd be like, oh, I always what? wanted, um, what was it called? It was called, like, Zootopia, or something it was like a zoo catalog <laughs> that just had a bunch of animals in it and they would always have commercials and would be like you have to be over 18 to call <laughs> i have never heard I, zoo, okay i zoo think it was zoo about to- pixar movie is that what it's oh, <laughs> but i feel like was it like zoocropolis <laughs> it was zoo something but it was just someone please tell us what it is because it was zoo something and it just looked like the coolest like, basically National Geographic, but for kids. Hmm. It but what were cool. you ordering? The magazine. Oh, it was just the magazine that you it ordered? It was a magazine subscription, yeah. Oh, I was like, I thought the magazine, and then you ordered, like, stuffed animals. 
I mean, probably they had that available as well. Yeah. <laughs> <But>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, well, he's doing this a lot. He's like pacing around buying stuff off of Ikea. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was funny. And then he basically is goes to the doctor. He's like, I have really bad insomnia. And they're like, well, you know, the doctor just kind of like shrugs it off. So he starts going to support groups that he is not actually, he's not supposed to be there. (laughs) Like it's not for him. Um, So all these different support groups um, and he's going because he gets just like really addicted to it. And like, it's kind of cathartic to be around like other people who are suffering. So he starts doing that. And then his whole our narrator's whole life is basically turned upside down when he meets Brad Pitt's character whose name is or sorry Tyler Durden and (laughs) Tyler Durden I mean he's played by Brad Pitt so he's like super hot super charismatic and he's just like super confident yeah like people are just like drawn to him next level yeah yeah He's like the picture boy that like 1950s ad sales guys would like put on a billboard to like sell cigarettes or something, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like, oh, I need what that guy has. Just that, maybe I'll be as cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Or like the modern like Doseki guy, the most interesting guy, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I picture. <laughs> um, so Tyler Durden and the narrator, they become friends and they form this fight club as a form of catharsis to get out all their, you know, pent out aggression and to feel alive. Um, and it just keeps growing and growing and it eventually evolves into this social movement called Project Mayhem. And I remember in high school, I thought the term Project Mayhem was so cool. I was like, that's <laughs> such a cool name for it. Um, and now I'm just like, oh. It's kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's kind of this, like, organized anarchist move- movement, mm-hmm. which I know is like an oxymoron, but they basically get together to perform anarchy. <laughs> so yes. it starts out with just, like, you know, getting out some anger with, like, you know, fighting each other, Um, but then they want to, like, get out their anger on, like, modern-day society, so it starts with, like, petty vandalism, but then it grows bigger and bigger to the point where the project, um, you know, plans to blow up all these buildings that hold credit card records to wipe debt clean, which... Honestly, sometimes I think about it, I'm like, yeah, why don't we just wipe all the student loan debt clean? I, you know, just push the button. <laughs> yeah, just, Someone could just push that button. <laughs> There's just that one big red button somewhere. Somewhere. And, yeah, we just need to flip up the little tab and just, yeah. Now, I mean, now's the time, if any. Yeah. This, yeah, no one's around. It's a purge happening anyway, so we might as well just <laughs> do it. So, yeah, so that's their whole plan. And it's kind of just like a fuck you to corporate materialist capitalism that's like profiting off of the small masses. Yeah. Um, So this is where the spoiler comes in (laughs) is the narrator and Tyler Durden are the same person. So the narrator has some kind of dissociated uh, personality and he created Tyler in his mind as an escape to get away from his boring, very unhappy life. Mm -hmm. And Tyler was basically everything that the narrator wanted to be. So the narrator attempts to kill himself or at least like shoot himself. um, And that kills Tyler. Um, And then Ed Norton, like he puts a gun in his mouth and fires it. And then Tyler like 
disapparates basically into thin air. Yeah. And then Ed Norton is just like fine. Like Somehow. he has a wound. And then Helena Bottom Carter is just like, Oh, are you okay? And then they watch the buildings collapse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't stop that huge destruction, but he in the end is okay. Yeah. Um that wasn't the best retelling of the very end, but again, people have probably already seen the movie. <laughs> so yeah. so that is the retelling of a film that again came out twenty years quick, ago. Quick synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I remember the day I watched it for the first time because I watched it um, illegally on YouTube when you had to watch Was it, like, videos. No, it was, like, just, like, uploaded. But it was when you had to watch YouTube videos, like, they couldn't be longer than 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember that? When you had to I have do, to watch and you had to write, watch, like, part one, part two, part three. Yep. <laughs> and and like, then, the, like, one of the parts would always be missing. Yes. Be like, God damn it. You're like, but where's part six? I missed yeah. something. <laughs> Especially, like, I remember watching, like, The Departed, which is, like, a very long film. There <laughs> yeah, were, like, and, like serious. parts. It was, like, a whole day thing. I was just, like, trying to find all the parts. Yeah. Um, well, I watched all the, I mean, this, this was already, I guess, separated into parts, but R. Kelly's Trapped in a Closet <laughs> thing. It's like 20 something parts. parts. It's so many. Oh, God. <laughs> it's awful. And I don't, yeah. I don't condone him. He's a bad person. <laughs> You're like still watching Trapped in the Closet now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it? Did he do anything wrong? I like, don't I don't think anyone's watching Trapped in the Closet in, during Corona 2020. No, that's not what we that's need right now. The, nope. We need to come together and not think about R. Kelly. <laughs> 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 Ugh. Yeah. So, this, basically, when it came out, I watched all ten parts, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. And then... I like thought about it and I think about it all the time, I feel like, because it has this whole significance that goes along with it. And so I'll first start talking about, you know, what David Fincher, actually the director, like wanted this to be and mm-hmm. what he characterized it as. So he basically says that it's kind of like a coming of age film for people in their 30s, um, <laughs> cool. which I think is kind of cool because I'm not in my 30s yet. But I feel basically 30. We're Um, we're on the edge. We're on the edge. Yeah. And while, like, I don't want to join a fight club now, maybe when I turn 30, I will. Who's to say? You know? Things might change, especially (laughs) after this pandemic ends. I might need to fight some people. If that's the only way I can, like, be around humans, you know? Survive. Yeah. Um, So he basically kind of talks about, you know, how... Ed Norton, you know, he is, like, this guy that he doesn't have, like, the quintessential life that he probably thought he would at his age. So, like, you know, all these people getting married, having kids, having a good job, having the white picket fence, you know, he doesn't have any of that, and he's, like, very unhappy, um, but he doesn't really know what he wants. And again, this really resonated with me for some reason when I was, like, a 16-year-old girl living in Pennsylvania. I was like, (laughs) I get it. I'm angsty too. Because that's what this whole movie is just like saturated in angst. Yeah. Like everyone is angsty. No one is really happy. No one's happy. Yeah. Yeah. And this angst, it's not directed at like one small thing. It's all about just society as a whole. 
And it's also a very quotable movie, <laughs> um, like just really good writing in general. Yeah. But one of the most like quoted lines in the whole film that like guys reiterate all the time, I feel like, is, and it starts like this, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> An entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars, advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact, and we're very, very pissed off. End quote. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives that, like, speech, like, during one of their Fight Club meetings, basically. And then all the guys are like, ah! And that's when they start, you know, punching. Beating um, on each other. Yeah. And again, when I heard this, I was like, yes, Brad Pitt, he gets it. Because it's all about this angst about, like, capitalism. But he is also, in this quote, specifically talking about angst of his generation, which... 30-year-olds back in 1999 yeah. were Generation X. Okay. Um, and Fight Club deals a lot with the angst of Generation X. And I know you and I, we're both millennials because we're so young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and our generation obviously comes with, like, a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah, there's some um, weird stuff. <laughs> but Generation X is, like, very interesting. Grunge. Like, They're grungy, right? Yeah, they're pretty grungy. Yeah, yeah. they had a lot like of grunge. That was going their on. time. Yeah. Yeah. And because they're often kind of thought of as the forgotten generation, because I feel like now people just always talk about the rift between baby boomers and millennials. And millennials, yeah. But I Wait, think it's that's, like a, a battle. <laughs> yeah. And because like baby boomers raised millennials for the most part. So yeah. like it's yeah. always like baby boomers now are just like, but why are you buying, buying avocado toast? <laughs> Just buy a house. That whole that whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> so Generation X, though, those were kids who were born between the early 1960s to late 1970s. So wow. they were really raised, like, and coming of age in the 80s during a time when, yeah, there was no Great World War. Um, all the huge social movements like civil rights, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, you know, all those huge moments, you know, in the 60s and 70s had already happened. Yeah. And the 80s, it was just like, greed is good. Wall Street boom, you know, super consumerist and very, very like image obsessed. MTV, like, you yeah. know, 80s, man. Tech, no <laughs> colors. <laughs> yeah. Being someone who was not born or alive in the 80s, that's my idea of it. <laughs> so it makes sense that, like, Fight Club really, like, struck a chord with this angst that had been bubbling under the surface of a lot of Generation X. So again, like, maybe in their 20s, they're, like, being grungy, they're really sad about Kurt Cobain, um, but then it's like, you're supposed to have your life together in 1999 and, like, again, have your little you white picket fence. Um, yeah. And they're just like, no. And I think it's kind of unfair now because a lot of, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but they often now are calling Gen Xers like the Karen generation. Huh. I mean, and, I guess that, that would be like, yeah, like the 
if I were to picture a Karen, she would be in her 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Karen is, like, um, this term used for, like, a bitchy white woman with, like, a mom haircut that, like, demands to speak to the manager. Is very (laughs) entitled. Yeah, and just, like, feels like, yeah, they should have everything going their way and that they deserve everything. So that's what, like, I think a lot of people think about Generation X, but I do think there's all this angst about it, and they made all these movies, like, kind of during this time period that deals with it, not just Fight Club, but, like, American Psycho, American Beauty, The Matrix, Office Space, The Truman Show, High Fidelity, like, all of these kind of... Good movies, great movies. Yeah, it was a good time period. Yeah. Um, Have to deal with, yeah, Gen Xers and this, like, negative feelings about mainstream culture. Yeah. And people just wanting to get out of that, like, very cookie-cutter lifestyle. So a big part of this is definitely the um, friendship or relationship, I guess, with the narrator and Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden is basically an ubermensch, <laughs> which ubermensch. is a term coined by Friedrich Nietzsche, and it's an archetype that someone holds up as, like, the perfect example or pinnacle of humanity. So huh. I didn't know that's what ubermensch meant. meant. Yep. I had never heard of it before at all, so I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yes. So that is what Tyler Durden is to the narrator. Um, And Tyler Durden, like, you know, states it outright. He's like, all the ways you wish you could be, that's me. I look like you want to look. I fuck like you want to fuck. I am smart, capable, and most importantly, I am free in all the ways that you are not. So the narrator is just, like, riddled with anxiety, doing his best, but Brad Pitt is just, like, doesn't care, and that's what makes him free, Um, and that's what the narrator wants. So, I also think of, like, Tyler Durden as, like, in, like, now as, like, the manifestation of, like, all those, like, old, like, kind of homely-looking, like, really lonely people who are, like, catfishing, (laughs) like, or they're just, like, pretending to be, like, a hot young model on Facebook. Yeah. Trying to get someone. It's, like, that's what I want to be, so that's what I'm putting on screen. It Um, is. It's, like, unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't exist, Um, except for Brad Pitt in this film. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe Brad Pitt in real life. And maybe real life. I'm not really sure. So let's talk a little bit more about Edward Norton's character and why I think this Because I know that's what you want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Talk about Edward Norton. But no, why this character like resonated with a lot of people? Because he's not actually like this character is very interesting as like the protagonist because he's not in danger. He's, he doesn't have to overcome anything. He's well off. He has a nice apartment, a good paying job. He's a white man in America. So his struggle is not societal at all. His struggle is that he's lonely, he's bored, he's directionless. And all of that culminates in a lot of angst. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's, you know, what my angst was as a teenager. And I think that's why I felt... (laughs) like, akin to his angst, is because I think anyone angsty can really, like, 
relate to this character. So Ed Norton is just a well-off adult who's not really happy. He's trying to fit in and finding his meaning, which of course is like a theme in a billion different movies, of course. But it's this portrayal in Fight Club that I think was like really strong. And I think too, the reason why a lot of people have recently been talking about Fight Club is with certain movies that came out recently. Um, so in 2020, way back when, when we weren't in a quarantine, constantly getting <laughs> stressed like out. years ago. Yeah. When I wasn't like, oh my God, parents, stop going to the grocery store. Seriously. Um, like way back when in like February, because that was like eight years ago, SNL, they were actually still performing in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> that was a time. So Melissa Villasenor, she went on Weekend Update and she had this like song that she sang about all the nominees for the Oscars for Best Picture. Yeah. And he, she basically talks about Joker, Marriage Story, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and 1917. And a huge thing that all of those movies just listed have in common is this little thing called white male rage. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then that she pulls out that, <laughs> that um, the other nominee, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, got snubbed in the Oscars directing category was because it didn't have enough white male rage. Like, yeah, the white, the white man in that was, like, hopelessly romantic. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, it was Timothy Chalamet. How could he not be hopelessly romantic? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't angry very much. He, he was, was upset. Like, he was upset. It's yeah. different than rage. Yeah, he was just <laughs> too in love with Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> Which is fair, because aren't we all? So, <laughs> so yeah, she, she kind of got snubbed for it. But all these other movies, like, have a huge chunk of it in some way or another. They're obviously all di very different movies. Also, I should note Parasite was not on that list either, because that was the only movie <laughs> that didn't deal with white men. <laughs> and it um, swept. Yeah. So, it, by the way, true. I have watched that. It is very good. Right? It's very good. Super good. It's I super, really super good. It. Yeah, it's a great film. Um, so, yeah, so all of these, like, when this song came out, it was very popular, like, on an SNL standpoint. And I think, one, because people were like, oh, yeah, that is, like, a running theme. And, you know, it just talks more about, you know, diversity in Hollywood. But anyway, so this whole concept of white male rage, though, that is something that's been around for a while, and we can trace it back 20 years to Fight Club. And it's basically, I mean, you can find a lot of recent or at least reasonably recent reviews about articles about Fight Club and its significance. And some people think it's aged quite well, and it's just as relevant as it was then. Um, and then there's other ones that find it like very, very problematic for the whole white male rage part, which I will talk about a little bit later. Um, but again, they do definitely compare it a lot to Joker, because I think huh. of all those movies, Joker definitely has the most white male rage. <laughs> yes. Um, which again is a running theme with a lot of films. But let's first talk about what might not be going great in Fight Club, you know, 20 years later. From my standpoint, I will definitely say that as a feminist, I do not find it to be a very feminist film, and it has some big well, flaws like with that. Not a lot of women in general. 
Yeah, so it like definitely fails the Bechdel test because there's <laughs> yeah. literally only one like female character in general in the whole movie. Like you don't even see any like side women at all. No. <laughs> like, no. It's just like maybe an extra, you know, way back where, but otherwise it's just all men. So that is again Helena Bottom Carter's character, Marla Singer. Yeah. And she's the only woman again, and she's the only woman with a speaking role. And she's really only there for Ed Norton to angrily pine over and yeah. for Brad Pitt to be sleeping with. And Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I just feel like she's a character within herself. And she's weird. She's and very I like weird. that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what resonated with a lot of people is she's very, like, edgy. She's angsty. She's very, like, kind of, like, Sylvia Plath-esque like, severely kind of mentally unstable woman. Yeah, she's mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that is a trope that is around a lot with, you know, women just being kind of mentally ill, but so are actual women and men. <laughs> but that's kind of like her only thing is that she is just kind of there being angsty and Ed Norton is drawn to her. Um, but she also, she doesn't care. She does not give a flying hoot <laughs> about, you know, what people think of her or anything. So it can be, you know, double-sided. Some people really like her for that. Other people are like, well, we don't know why Ed Norton even likes her. He just like likes her for, like, we don't see him like her for any reason hmm. she's just kind of there and she's a little like one-dimensional so again yeah some people I think that some people don't I'm I gonna be on the side of the non-one-dimensional I think she's unique and I think they had something in common they were addicted to the self-help groups mm -hmm. like that makes sense to like yeah. someone because of that when you're super uber lonely and only ordering from Ikea <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, we, oh, I guess we do see her apartment for a little bit, but do you think she was also up late at night ordering from Ikea? She was doing some weird stuff at night. I don't <laughs> know what it was, but weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole gender does, like, the gender construct, it plays a huge part in Fight Club, and I was watching this YouTube video by this guy named Jesse Tribble, and he basically has this, like, very well-thought-out analysis of how gender plays a role in, like, all of David Fincher's films. And he talks about, like, contrasting Fight Club with Gone Girl and, like, thoughts about femininity versus masculinity, all this different stuff. And basically, though, for just specifically for Fight Club, it is very, very saturated um, in sweaty testosterone, aggressive gross-out punching, homoeroticism, and phallic imagery. <laughs> well, yes, but I mean, isn't that the point? Yes. <laughs> so this whole thing encompasses the idea that quote men are providers in the workplace and the home men are usually graced with rewards and promise and power and relevance until it's taken away so like it's all about what we deal with as society and what we think of as masculinity and versus femininity and how men feel like they need to be masculine definitely a very hyper masculine film which when I was looking back on it I was like oh yeah they do talk about phallic imagery a lot yeah and the yeah he splices in the 
the pictures yeah, yeah. And there's like all these penis jokes which I just like always I think glossed over and then they like put them all together and I was like oh yeah they do talk about that a lot yep <laughs> which is funny oh yeah it's all about like what being a man is and apparently being a man is punching other strange men in the face in a <laughs> dark basement but check Chuck Palahniuk and David Fincher, they're not trying to portray it like it's a good thing. I mean, David Fincher has gone on record stating it's a satire, and um, he says it's the anti-consumerist rantings of a schizophrenic madman. (laughs) Wow. You're not supposed to, like, side with Ed Norton. Like, the narrator, he is not reliable. He's, again, insane. He's thought of this person in his head. Yeah. Um, However, he wasn't sure if people got that it was supposed to be satirical, um, because I think a lot of people just saw it and were like, oh, yeah, I want to be like Brad Pitt, so I'm, you know, gonna do all this stuff, and again, it kind of fed into their white male rage, (laughs) which again, there's all these articles talking about, you know, how white male rage, it like divides all these critics, basically. Um, and this concept of white male rage, which again, I guess I should explain it, but it's white men who are angry at nothing really in particular, because they're not, you know, dealing with anything societal, you know, they might be struggling with mental illness, they might be struggling with poverty, but from society standpoint, they're still at the top, but they don't feel like they're at the top. They feel like they deserve to be at the top. Yeah. Probably. And like, yeah, people are telling them, you know, but you're a white man, like society, you are at the top, you don't have to deal with the struggles of, you know, minorities and people of color or women or LGBTQ people. And they're like, but I don't feel like I'm doing well in life. And then they feel angry about it. And again, white male rage has been a part of movies, you know, forever. Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, Gran Torino, all these movies kind of deal with white male rage and then it also has this element of vigilantes <laughs> um you know they're like taking up arms against yeah. society and doing something i like all of those movies <laughs> all those movies are like some of my favorite movies but <laughs> there is the downside that sometimes these films can be dangerous to some people so we all remember that horrid movie theater shooting in Aurora, Colorado during yes. The Dark Knight Rises. And that, I guess, also with the Joker that fed into white male rage and yes. he wanted to take it out. Um, or the decades-long debate about whether video games, like violent video games or violent movies, just spark violence in general. Yeah. And that whole debate is, you know, again, for a different day. But while I love the movie Fight Club, I enjoy it vicariously. I like watching these people take out their pent-out aggression for two hours, but then I go back to, like, you know, petting my cat and doing my laundry and being (laughs) a boring person. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I feel like most people feel that way. I don't feel the need to do anything violent, but... When this movie came out, and even years, years later, a decade later, it did have some effects. So, to start off with, um, there were a lot of real-life fight clubs that started popping up. So, the first one, yeah, was in Menlo Park, California. And apparently that's in, like, Silicon Valley Bay Area. Um, And it was all these, like, tech guys. 
Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, like, think about Silicon Valley, the TV show, and then they start their own fight club. Pretty fun crossover. <laughs> so there was that. Then it spread to Texas, New Jersey, Washington, and even Alaska. So oh. they're like, hey, we only got a few hours of sunlight. Let's start fighting. Let's fight. <laughs> um, and authorities found out about it from injuries reported, like people going to the emergency room. And then also people were filming it and then posting it online. <laughs> so that like, would make sense. But that's yeah. like very against the first rule of fight club. <laughs> I know. They're not sticking with the rules at all. They are not. <laughs> So, it's like, yeah, the one thing is, like, don't even, like, mention it to a person. So, I feel like posting it online, that's, like, a felony charge. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> like real bad. Community. Don't do that. Yeah. So, it started out as that. But then, just like in the movie, it started escalating into, like, various men planting bombs. Oh, God. So, yeah. There was one kid who was planting pipe bombs in mailboxes, and when they would detonate, basically, if you looked at it on a map, it would create a smiley face. Oh, God. Um, which yeah. is something that, like the movie. Um, yeah, they do in the movie where they put explosives in different parts of a building, and when they all detonate, it creates a smiling face that's on fire. Um, so yeah, there was that. And then there was this other guy that was planting them with different Starbucks in New York City. And he was also trying to, like, when NYPD caught him, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to emulate Fight Club and <laughs> Project Mayhem. Great. Because um, <laughs> Fight Club also yeah, has some line about, like, in whatever many years we're all going to be living on Project Starbucks when all the corporations own everything or something mm. um so that's how he was feeling and so the craziest one though is this one in new jersey so there were two employees at a daycare and they were charged with instigating a fight club between <gasps> kids ages four through six. Oh my god yeah. oh my god that's awful it was insane and they were basically like were they taking oh. like bets and stuff I don't know if they were betting, but they were basically <laughs> getting them to fight, and then they were filming it and posting it on Snapchat. Oh my god, so bad. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah. And one of the employees, which is surprisingly a girl, because all of these other ones are boys, um, but one of the employees at this daycare was a girl, and she can be heard like in the Snapchat videos like referencing Fight Club lines, um, huh. and that's how they, yeah put the two together. Very so, weird. Very weird interpretation yeah. of the film and like how to respond to it. Yeah. So, and again, it's like anyone could have a negative reaction to any movie and do something dangerous. So I don't think it's, you know, anything that we can be like, oh, well, you know, then we can't have these movies because that's, yeah. Yeah. that's art. <laughs> that's how we do it. It's art. That's so, art. But yeah, you can't really censor it, which is a big debate, I think, that happened when Joker came out. They were like, this is a dangerous film. And it's like, I understood why people felt that way, because I think yeah. it did, again, bring back some, like, PTSD from the war shooting. But then it was also just like, it's just some Todd Phillips movie. Like, just, what? Please, everybody, just, <laughs> it's just a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um 
but I, so yeah, when you have like a mentally unstable, angry white boy who seemingly has all the privilege in the world, but he doesn't understand it, he might not take Fight Club as a satire. They might see Brad Pitt and just think like, oh yeah, I want to be like him and maybe not be super respectful to women and get in fights in a basement and fuck mainstream society. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not what the, the movie was really trying to do. Um, so there's also this article um, in The New Yorker titer, titled, The Men Who Still Love Fight Club. And it basically, so there's also this article by The New Yorker, and it's titled, The Men Who Still Love Fight Club. And okay. it basically it says that, like, ladies should maybe beware of guys that are, like, really into it. As, quote, yeah, if his favorite author is Brett Easton Ellis, his favorite movie is Fight Club, and he wants to talk about Bitcoin or Jordan Peterson, these are all warning signs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, like, if you're still an adult man that's just, like, very white and angry about society and you feel left behind or whatever for whatever reason, you they probably won't be a really good boyfriend. Okay. Um, so... Um, and I do think that, because Brett Easton Ellis is the guy that wrote American Psycho, and I oh, do think okay, that he, yeah. like, go very hand-in-hand for whatever reason. Yeah, um, me too. Bitcoin, I don't know. I think, I feel like that is some certain, like, genre of guy out there that huh. I would not be interested in, but, you know each their own. Um, so as a woman, I definitely do see it as a satirical think piece on gender roles and society and culture. And I like that it's filled with angst. And I think <laughs> the angst still holds up today. Um, I do think it has aged very, very well. Like all the concepts that they're talking about is still very much a part right now. And I do get annoyed that it is dubbed as such a man's movie. Um, like, I get it. 99% of the movie is men. It's about being a man. It's about penises. <laughs> it's about <laughs> testosterone and masculinity. But most importantly, I think it is about angst. And, like, women get angry, too. Like, women feel all those emotions as well because the whole thing is it's just a gender role and pe everyone feels those feelings. But I don't think that they're saying they're not. What's her name is angsty? <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, and that's how they get along. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just not represented as much. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't think it needs to be. I think the point of it is that it's like all men being crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, um... Chuck Palahniuk, he was saying that there's not a lot of books or, like, movies that, like, teach men how to be men. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff about, like, for women, like, what your role is as a woman and how to be empowered as a woman, but there's not a lot. And he basically says that it's, like, dead poet society and then, like, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I just feel like there should be, like, I want to see more angry women in movies. Because <laughs> I feel like they're usually either, like, sad or happy or in love. But you don't see a lot of angry women. And I feel like you could make a fight club 
but all ladies. Like how they did like Ghostbusters and like Ocean's Eight. <laughs> if you just like reversed it, I think it would still hold up if it was all women. And they do have like all these different like feminist fight club and like female fight club and all these things. Because it's like, yeah, women are angry too. And like a lot of women really like Fight Club and they like this movie. Yeah. Um, so I think it does hold up very well. And I, again, I like Helena Bottom Carter, Marla Singer um, in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, I guess I don't like how she's treated by Brad Pitt. And then she never really has a redemption, really, I guess, until. Yeah, it just kind of works out <laughs> because her Brad Pitt was actually Ed Norton. And then he actually ends up being like nice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in the end. And just like shooting yourself in the face will get rid of your your mental illness. And yeah, that's not a great idea. <laughs> Which I never like thought about until recently. I was like, the ending is just very ambiguous. It just kind yeah. of like, yep, and we're done. And then yeah. that Pixie song plays and it's cool. It is pretty cool. So yeah, that is in a nutshell, my feelings about Fight Club and how it's had an impact on society as a whole and a lot of running themes in it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Definitely a different direction. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to say, and I didn't know when would be a right time, what right time to bring this up. I was very into the idea of starting an all-female fight club in Ithaca. <laughs> I was gonna do it in the guy's house's basement. That was, like, kind of gross. No men were gonna be allowed because it wasn't, like, for their entertainment. And mm -hmm. I was gonna buy these old gym mats that I found on Craigslist. <laughs> was that the semester I studied abroad? Maybe. <laughs> Why doesn't this sound I was familiar? losing my mind. I was in a weird mental state, but I was like, yeah, why should there only yeah. be a men's fight club? There should be a women's fight club. But, um, yeah. Well, we also used to wrestle in college. We did. We wrestled yeah. <laughs> at we parties. with our other friend, and I remember our guy friend thought that we were actually, like, trying to Fighting. hurt each other. <laughs> And he was like, oh my god, you guys, break it up! And we're like, no, we're just wrestling. It's just a little bit of wrestling between yeah. gals. So it was like, who says women can't wrestle? Like, boys got to do this all the time growing up, and I never had anyone to wrestle with until college, and now I want to wrestle. <laughs> now we do, <laughs> yeah. And that's when I learned that, because you were very, you're a low... I'm like, a low, get, uh, I get low. And I get high, because I'm a jumper. You're <laughs> <laughs> so, three. And I feel like our other friend, like, you would, like, grab her legs, and then I'd jump on her, and then we kind of teamed up. She was just straight up stronger than both of us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think we both knew that, so I was like, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd be a good, like, um the word why can't I think of it we'd be a good like duo for a wrestling team of like all I can think of is Nacho Libre what's, what's the term for that sort of wrestling oh the oh god I know I, I was in Mexico and I went to a wrestling match <laughs> I don't know I don't know why I can't think of it but oh uh, god I don't yeah that form of wrestling I think we'd be good at you'd be like the, the jumper, the high ground, I'd be the low ground. We'd yeah. Be good. The person that, like, gets on the stretchy uh, fence 
the thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can tell I know a lot about wrestling. We know so much about wrestling. Maybe we should explain wrestling. Because I don't know much about it. I did I briefly get into WWE. Because uh, I have a couple of friends our age now that love it. And I got to say it was thrilling. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I went to that, one. Uh, I guess in person it would be. I just well, I watched it, it, on the on the TV at Planet Fitness, like in front of my elliptical. Yeah. And I just I hate the acting. It's all over the top acting and but it's not supposed to be real. Like I think people who don't like it think they're trying, and it's like no, 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 they're not trying to be real. It's like a base storyline that's happening, and you've got to follow it to follow the storyline. It's like a soap opera. Yeah, it's just so cheesy though, and it's (laughs) just like I don't know. I can't get in. Like the actual performance of it, like what they're doing, is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like I would always go to the gym at the same time after work, so it would be like right when they're like just like introducing the characters, and like one guy is like in a cage, and then there's like a smoke machine, and I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) too much for me. What is going on? I'm still trying to think of what it's called in Mexico, but I'll think of it <laughs> we're done. But yeah, whatever that is. Because I saw that, and that was very interesting. Um, yes. And that was really cool. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of fight clubs. Hopefully not right now, because you should be staying away from people. Yeah, so you should be social distancing, not fight clubbing. <laughs> yeah, that's like the exact opposite. That, do you can imagine how many diseases and microbes were flowing around that fight club. <laughs> yeah, Everyone was like, sweaty and shirtless and rubbing on each other. Yeah, and I know? feel like people are, like, bloody, and then the other person's bloody, oh, yeah. and then you're, like, blood brothers because your blood is getting... Blood on blood on blood. <laughs> and also in Fight Club, you remember the part where Jared Leto is also has, like, a small part in Fight yes. Club? Where yeah. he's, like, this pretty blonde boy, and Ed Norton, like, beats the crap out of him. Yeah, he gets messed that, that was a hard scene to watch one, yeah. um, the first time. I was just like, oh, God. And it felt very, again, I've never been in a fight club. I've never been in a fight. I've never been punched in the face. But that felt very realistic of what would happen to you yeah. if you are. Yeah. So, And I don't think I can handle it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> So yeah, that is my feelings about Fight Club. So okay. hopefully you feel like I sort of explained something to you. You, you explained some stuff about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we explained away. Explained away. 